0: what's going on whisper nation your boys are back again we are doing the matchup breakdown for week 11 the stride for the playoffs is upon us and we have to get all these next games right to get you into the playoffs where you came to the right spot tune into the Fantasy whispers we're going through every single matchup giving you start sits all of that But first, before we dive into that, I just want to remind you, Whisper Nation, did you know that you can win a signed Joe Mixon jersey? Yes, you, listening to this podcast. All you got to do is head on over to the fantasywhispers.com Patreon page, fantasywhisperspatreon.com forward slash the fantasywhispers, and subscribe to the $10 level, and you can, too, be entered into this signed, autographed, Joe Mixon Jersey at the end of this month. Do it now. now let's get into
1: that episode. Right here. I thought it was Johnny saying do it now, so but it was awesome. <laughs> but that's all good. That's why I dropped it right there. As Johnny said, oh, that was... you can win that Joe Mixon Jersey, patreon.com forward slash the fantasy whispers. But also he talked about how we're going to go through the first half of the NFL slate of matchups, all those fantasy football implications right here on part one of the matchup show. But if you like that fresh fantasy football content, you want more of it, you consider subscribing over to the YouTube channel, giving a video a like on your way in as you do that. But now you are welcomed all the way in, Whisper Nation. My name is Big Travi. You can find me on Twitter at Big Travi TFW. I'm joined by the man at the front of the show, Johnny game time Hicks. You can find him on Twitter at Johnny underscore game Time, And, of course, on the other mic, we have Austin Sear, who you can find on Twitter at Austin underscore R underscore Sear. Guys. This is a great show. We're packed. We're ready to do it. We're pumped. We had a great conversation off air about so many different things. We're so excited for Whisper Nation, what we've got going on here. But as we always like to do, I want to start off the show with a little bit of a question. And this one's a little fun. So uh, it's a little knee jerk reaction. Guys, when you think of your favorite football movie, what do you think of uh, when that all time your favorite football movie? Go for it, Austin. Sorry,
2: <laughs> I you know there's so many good ones. Uh, I remember the Titans. Obviously, uh, I was thinking of some comedic ones like Varsity Blues and Waterboy came to mind. But if you ask me, what like what's your favorite favorite? It's Friday Night Lights. If there's just but that, that that L ten eleven soundtrack, like I can close my eyes and just hear that like Midwest electrical guitar without distortion, like playing yeah. and. People like talking over the track and just like, oh my God, I love it so much. Like the nostalgia, like the hardcore-ness of it. The acting is through the roof. It just pulls at so many great heartstrings and makes you feel like you can run through a wall, even on a on a a, a Bobby Tornley. So it works out.
1: Oh, it's such a good one. I love how you brought in the soundtrack there because it almost has the feel of like a B-rated movie or like an indie movie. It's an indie movie, time. yeah, right? But it's not. And it's like Garden like State. You have, you have like, yeah, you have like Billy Bob Thornton in there. Like it's not like that. It's a good movie. So um it's well budgeted it's it, the football action is great the leading up to them like supposed to be a dominant team then the comeback mode to make the playoffs then of course it's a true story yeah it great one, yeah. it's great they all aren't they I all, aren't they all based on a true story i know the water boy is hey, yeah. <laughs> uh, course gump hey. an underrated football movie based on uh, a story. Batman, yes batman uh oh, uh, what heinz ward Heinz oh Heinz Ward. Yeah. Hines hey, Ward. Hey, okay. I,
0: no, Glide. Okay. All right, you hey, got the boy. Your Die Hard's boy. a Christmas hey. movie. Best Batman wanna, is a football hey, movie. You want to talk about autographed jerseys? Uh, that is the best auto jersey I have. Shout out to my wife for Valentine's Day for one year anniversary or first Valentine's Day uh, when we were married. Got me an autographed Heinz Ward uh, jersey from the Gotham Thrashers. Are you serious? Yeah, yes. And it's hanging in my living room because I was like, there's no way this is not being seen by everyone that walks into our house. This is the most amazing piece of memorabilia I have. Sign, Hines How have I never seen that, dude? That is that you haven't been to awesome my house yet. Yeah, I got it. I'll send you a picture. It is it is super awesome. It's my favorite piece of memory because yeah. really, I'm a that's Batman sick. fan. And yeah, that's sick. but uh, so is that
1: your favorite, favorite <laughs> football movie of all time, John?
0: No, <laughs> I mean, no, I almost did throw that out as a joke. Can we get any love for like the longest yard or uh, the longest or, or the replacements? I like that oh, dance in oh, oh, the one. replacements. A little, you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, it was almost like I was almost like, was, was this like a yeah, Keanu Reeves, but is oh, his, Shane Falco, Shane, Shane Falco, Falco, man. I'd start him in fantasy football, but no, yeah, I you think probably would <laughs> ultimately. I, I, you know, I'm a sucker, I, I love the uh, emotional highs and lows and the lessons that you learned. and I will always remember. The Titans. I don't let them gain another yard. Yeah.
1: So I, uh, that is my, honestly, I don't know how you, I mean, look, for me, I love a movie that makes me cry. I'm a big, I love a movie that brings me to tears, especially when I'm hungover. I want to watch a movie that (laughs) reminds me that I'm a human. I like to feel good again. I'm like, hey, oh, I'm, I'm not that much of a degenerate POS. I want to feel something. And remember, the Titans is up there in one of those yeah, ones, Goodwill Hunting, is so good. another one that I love to just smash every time I'm over. Huh. But I will tell you that remember, the Titans does it for me. And I will close second there for Friday Night Lights. So you guys, correct yeah. answers only here. I appreciate all you guys. Just so thankful for you guys as we approach thanksgiving but i'm even more thankful actually this is kind of messed up i'm I'm equally (laughs) as thankful for manscaped who sponsors our show today when it comes to below the waist grooming there's no need to look any further than manscaped our friends at manscaped are here to upgrade your grooming experience and you can join the 2 million men worldwide by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the promo code TFWMAN. So get 20% off plus free shipping with that code TFWMAN at manscaped.com. Once again, 20% off plus free shipping with the code TFWMAN at manscaped.com. If you're worried about your Thanksgiving spread, Make sure you get to Manscaped and, uh, you know, work it out, man. Spread those, spread those cheeks and, and use the lawnmower 4.0 to shave your butt crack. I mean, it, <laughs> there's nothing that man, it will not do. All right.
2: No, I take it straight from the butt cheeks, up my belly, up my chest and onto my face. Dude, I do it in the shower. It's waterproof and it cuts. It doesn't. There, there's no hair. It discriminates against. It can That's take right. It all on.
1: It'll, it'll cut it all. And it's got the light on there, Johnny. So you can, like, see yeah. what you're doing. Yeah, you don't even the, need like the, the, the power goes angle out anymore. Like you don't have to put the leg up or nothing. Like this thing's got it. None dude. of it. None of it. It's got it yeah. all. All right. Well, ceramic we've got it all tip. ceramic yeah. tip. Oh, the ceramic tip, dude. Yeah. Uh we've got it all here on the show, except for at least it's the part one. We have the first part of the matchup. So we have seven games to go over today. And we're gonna start off with the New Orleans Saints going to Philadelphia to take on the Birds there, not the Turkeys, the Eagles, who they will be playing against here. It's a 43-and-a-half point over under. We have the Eagles favored by a a point-and-a-half at home. I want to start the, the segment off with the New Orleans Saints, and really it was about Mark Ingram last week because we saw Alvin Kamara not practice all last week, and Ingram kind of came in doing what we picked him up to do off the waivers. He averaged 11 touches in the two games prior to that injury from Alvin Kamara last week, 85% of the team snaps 18 touches for 108 all purpose yards and a touchdown. He became Nola's all time leading rusher in that game past Deuce McAllister. So a great Deuce McAllister. So a great story there you ever have him on, on a fantasy roster. You Not avoided. that I can remember. Yeah. he wasn't good the year I got him. Of course <laughs> still holding that grudge there. Well, <laughs> Uh, Mark Ingram GMs might be holding a grudge against Alvin Kamara because as we started to record this he did return to the open portion of practice so we could see Alvin Kamara get back I want to shed some light on this matchup though the Eagles in 2021 they're allowing 20.5 points per game to the RB position that ranks ninth most and we know that this team with Trevor Simeon with the pieces they have they want to run a lot Sean Payton's always kind of wanted to do that I think they want to continue to do that we're starting our Alvin Kamara obviously if he goes here but I think Ingram's even a low end flex if alvin kamara goes because like i said 11 touches per game in the two games before or at least that's that that was the average there so i think he's actually established a low end flex play in this game with philly giving up so many points i want to start move over to the usability in the passing game uh if we have anything there maybe troutman johnny like we've seen him kind of kind of somewhat show signs of life anything here to to kind of stream at the tight end position when you're asking about uh, showing
0: signs of life, Big Travi, you're certainly talking about when he's seeing, you know six targets or more in three straight games, which is going under the radar. Not many people are talking about it. So kudos uh, to Big Travi for kind of bringing this up because it does bode well for him if you are in the need of a tight end because over the last five weeks, you look at this matchup with Philadelphia. They've given up on average twenty-two point six fantasy points to the tight end position, and Troutman is quietly seeing some good hits paired with red zone targets for span of three games. Target share during that time: seventeen percent, sixteen percent, seventeen percent often when you can get those tight ends you know getting that 16 17 range you really need to start considering them as a viable option again the matchup indicates that it it, you would you would be wise to play them if you need a tight end but there are some concerning factors as far as like air yards aren't majorly up there or anything like that so don't expect like a mega ball stay but again if you need a what the heck flex at the
1: tight end position then you know there are worse options than Adamman. Well, speaking of Mega boss. we wanted that to be Marquez Callaway in this offense. We wanted something in yeah. the pass catchers to kind Didn't of emerge. We. As far as wide receivers, we haven't seen that yet. But Austin, we've now got three weeks of some usable, uh, you know, metrics from Trevor Simeon. Are there signs of life in anything with this new QB under any shifts in possible viable wide receiver play here? You know, there isn't anybody I would recommend starting at the wide receiver position
2: just yet, Travis, but it is worth noting that Traquan Smith is starting to earn a little bit of consideration or at least maybe a little observation as the season progresses. Since being activated in week seven, Smith has had increasing snap percentages every single week, started off at 55%, then 63%, 80%, and last week was 91% for a team high. He also led the team in targets with seven and in yards for back-to-back weeks, so there is a little bit of possible sleeper appeal here growing if the rapport between him and Simeon deepens just a little bit. He did have a touchdown last week, but again, I don't think a single wide receiver for the Saints has broken double-digit fantasy points all season unless they've gotten a touchdown, so it's still there, but Simeon is throwing you know, for 200, 200, 300 yards around there, and it looks like Traquan Smith is his favorite target. He's getting the opportunities there, not a recommended start just yet, but worth keeping an eye on and a possible snap stash for maybe two weeks down the road.
1: I love that take there. I want to switch over to the Philadelphia Eagles who now in the last three games have kind of shown some life as a competitive team. All right. They beat the brakes off the Detroit lions, took the chargers to the limit and then just kind of handled the Denver Broncos. So they're not the bottom of the barrel team. We were kind of, uh, you know, telling people that they were the last few weeks they've kind of broken that mold they are playing winning football they're going to get miles sanders back we'll talk about that in a second but i want to focus on jalen hurts austin because he he's in a tough spot this week but he's had some up and down weeks and i want to know like his rushing floor keeps him as a qb1 what side of jalen hurts are we going to see this week do you think
2: Yeah, you know, that's an interesting point there. And it's going to depend on how the play calling and the game plan for the Eagles continues to develop. And I say develop because it is changing. Um, And I think that the shifts are having them play their most competent football of 2021. They've won two out of their last three with a really tough three-point loss there to the Chargers in between. They've been running the ball a lot more during this stretch, too, which should ultimately open up. Hurts. It should create opportunities for play action and keep the defense a little more on their heels, but I, I don't think it clears up the field to the point of Hurts, say, eclipsing the way he started off the season with a really strong start there when he was almost in this desperation, but I don't think they're going to have as many desperation modes of try to bail us out and get us as close as we can in the fourth quarter, Jalen. I think they're going to be playing better football throughout, which is going to have its ups and downs from the fantasy perspective for Jalen Hurts. Um, the Eagles are going to put themselves in positions to win games, um, which will make fantasy, Hurts' fantasy production a a little bit more volatile as the run game has been activated and leaned on. Um, Like I said, this does create some opportunities, I think, to open up wide receivers and catch defenses sleeping. I think we'll see Hertz take advantage of that and have some really good pop games. But he hasn't broken 180 passing yards in those last three games. And he's not the only goal line option anymore. Uh, Jordan Howard has ran the ball better. And Boston Scott is still around two. And Miles Sanders, who's supposed to be their best halfback, is coming up pretty soon. The Saints, though, who they play this week, have been letting up about 26 points to quarterbacks over the last two weeks. Playing Mm -hmm. up against Tennessee and Atlanta. So they're tough, but they're they're weird right now. They're discombobulated. They have switched up their quarterback. They have switched up their running back. They've constantly switched up their wide receivers. This is a team that still does not yet have an, ident- an identity, but it's a good team. It's a well-coached team. Uh, Sean Payton has earned that reputation. Um, so while they are dealing with some issues, I think this is a, a decent matchup here for Jalen Hurts. I'm continuing to start Hurts this week, and I expect a back-end QB1 performance.
1: I like this outlook. I like talking about the last couple of weeks for the Saints as well, and they'll be on the road here. Might be because I have invested and just traded for Jalen Hurts in the league of record, but I uh, am playing against Johnny, but I like what Austin's putting down there. want to talk a little bit about Sanders, though. He's been the motor for this team in the past. Missed the last three weeks with the ankle injury. He's back. Johnny, we talked about this a little bit earlier in the week, especially on the waiver show. Do we think this backfield remains an RBBC even with Sanders back here? I mean, there's definitely a possibility because
0: of how well Jordan Howard kind of played while you and frankly, Boston Scott didn't play too terribly bad as well. And so there is some reality that that's how it could be. There's a reality too where Jordan Howard is basically the thunder and and Miles Sanders kind of goes to the lightning because he's a better pass catcher. And he was seeing, you know, pass catches out of the backfield before he went down. That is an option, but I think the mo- most realistic opportunity and, and process that's going to happen is that Miles Sanders is going to come back and take over this lead role, or uh, the 1A role here, and then potentially Boston Scott as that 1B. We'll see what they ended up doing or end up using Jordan Howard. Again, he looked really, really good in the games in which he filled in. He saw over twelve rushing attempts in all three games. Uh, he had three touchdowns over that span. He was a solid RB two for you. And again, I do expect them to continue to uh, go with this game plan of heavily running, uh, heavily relying on the run. But it could—it's—it's it's a wait and see. And then you know, uh, you're talking about this matchup against New Orleans. New Orleans is actually. Bottom five and points allowed to the running back position. So either way, I think I'm waiting and seeing. I'm not starting any of these guys, but that's what I would be looking for this week. And I project that Miles Sanders will be a value and and be the guy that you will want moving forward. But again, uh, we'll see how they so you're, use. You're Jordan scared
1: Howard. off of starting Sanders this week just based on the matchup and the com, you know the convolutedness of the of the backfield. Correct, correct. Because
0: again, they could. The thing with Jordan Howard that's really odd is that, yes, they were using him. However, they were, like, promoting him. He would just get relegated to the practice squad every time. And then, like, no one would sign him. So then they would just bring him back up. and. So that's the concern. There is, and we how- have to
1: remember who Nick Sirianni is. I mean, he comes from Indianapolis and Frank Reich, and some of these Correct. systems that use multiple backs when they have them. And so yeah. I think that's a situation here. And Nick Sirianni, who you know has had some weird stuff go on, he seemed to be a little bit more rational over the last couple of weeks. But I don't know that we can fully assume rational coaching with Sirianni mm-hmm. right now, mm-hmm. uh, especially with not how many pens that dude puts in his hat. I mean, just pick one, <laughs> dude. Like keep one of them in your hat. Uh, I want to talk a little bit quickly about Devonta Smith. He's been on an absolute tear lately. 42 or 44 points over his last two games in PPR, 12 catches, uh, or I'm sorry, 12 targets, nine catches, 182 receiving yards, and three touchdowns over his last two games. And these are not bad defenses he went against. Chargers and Denver have been great secondaries, so he was getting it done against some tough competition, and, and he's the only guy they really have, so they knew that it was going to him. He still got it done. Only two teams allow her fewer points to the wide receiver than New Orleans, especially because of Marshawn Lattimore. So this is where I get a little hes- hesitant here. I don't want to necessarily bench Smith, but I think he gets on the flex radar. Check this out from Ian Harditz It's a PFF. He says these are the last wide receiver one matchups that Lattimore faced. Devontae Adams got five receptions for 56 yards no score terry mclaurin four for 46 and no touchdown dk we watched that game on monday night together guys only got free for the one touchdown now obviously he got home uh 80 yard touchdown but other than that only one other catch mike evans two for 48 only one touchdown and and this one man. aj brown last week one for 16 Ooh. so really just some tough one for spots. 16 Yeah, not good. Two targets, uh, 16 – I'm sorry, four targets, 16 yards. Not great for that. So this is a temper expectation matchup for Smith. But it's hard to bench him. Goddard's probably going to be out with the concussion. And we know that Smith's already got it done against good coverage. I think that Smith still could get home here. And so you're playing for that upside. But he's definitely more of a volatile wide receiver, two, three, this week, maybe on the flex borderline. And then as far as Goddard, you're going to have to really um, you know, check it out. It's a, you know, it's a real shame because He's been freed now with Zach Ertz, you know, off the field, but now he's concussed after this game. So watch his status as we enter into week 11. Um, Moving on here, we're going to talk about the New York football Jets hosting the Miami Dolphins, guys. The uh, Miami Dolphins favored by only three on the road here. We obviously saw the Jets talking about Joe Flacco starting, so we'll see if that line changes at all. But we look at the... Miami side of the football, and it's you know, Johnny's boy and Miles Gaskin who's in the smash spot here. Uh, I do want to talk about Miles Gaskin though, because since Brown went down in week seven, guys, Gaskin has averaged just under 19 touches per game, just under 10 PPR fantasy points. He's the RB14 in PPR in that month now without Malcolm Brown. So, startable, actually doing what he's supposed to do, which he wasn't doing in the first month of the season. And we know the Jets are the number one fantasy football matchup uh to target but rich rebar even part uh, from sharp football analysis even pointed this out running backs now have scored a league high 20 touchdowns against the jets running backs have accounted for 62 percent of the touchdowns scored against them that's a league high and the league average touchdowns allowed to running backs 36 they're doubling up league average and what they led up to the running back we've talked Damn. about this the secondary running back gets play here so i ask you this this is and i'll just pitch it really quick are we starting Salvon achmet Uh, no I I didn't I I didn't didn't think so but I just thought it was funny to point out that yeah only Miles Gaskin could probably break this this situation this chalk matchup so let's see what that happens but we are starting with confidence our miles Gaskin shares I want to know Austin if you think this is more of a get right game for the passing attack because even in a game that Miami won last week against Baltimore we didn't see what we really wanted to see at it especially out of Mike Kosicki and Jalen Waddle so is this a get right spot for them Austin I think so. Waddle is on the up
2: overall over the last month and a half. Waddle has led the receivers in Miami in pretty much all meaningful categories. While last week was a down game with just 61 yards, it was still a team high, six six targets on 88% snap share. I like that. And with Tua behind center, I am even more excited. Week six through... Eight was the last meaningful sample size between Tua and Waddle, and the rookie wide receiver averaged over 10 targets a game. This week, the Dolphins play a bottom-ranked Jets defense. I'm really excited to see what Waddle does in this matchup. And really, the story for Gusecki is similar. Last week was disappointing, uh, but the tight end had seven targets on the day. And in week six through eight, again, with Tua, Gaseki averaged over 82 yards on seven targets per game. Positive points for Gusecki this week and moving forward. I like it a lot,
1: Trevi. I love it. How much are we trusting Tua Tagovailoa here, Johnny, in this matchup against the New York Jets? Can we trust him?
0: If you don't if you don't trust Tua in this matchup against the Jets, you should just cut him. You shouldn't start him at all because this is like the best matchup you could ask for. Since week five, the New York Jets have allowed the most fantasy po- points to opposing quarterbacks with 22.8 per game. So you are definitely playing him in this game if you have him. Or if you need a streamer, he is a very good streamer for this week.
1: Yeah, if you were you kind of pocketing this game, if you had Matt Stafford and you're rolling two out there, I think this is a fantastic yep. game to go ahead and get him in your lineup. We're going to talk about the Jets side of the football because they did name Joe Flacco, not Shane Falco, Joe Flacco, the quarterback here uh, as the starter this week. We have Miami defense heating up. We have Joe Flacco in at quarterback. How is this going to affect our Michael Carter shares, you ask? Well, we're concerned with the other Jets quarterbacks inability to to have gotten Carter the targets that Mike F. and White did. But over the last month, Carter is still the PPR RB three. So that's four weeks of great You know, That's a month. That's a good sample size for me to realize that he's going to get home more times than not. He's not seen fewer than 14 touches, has cleared 37 receiving yards in every game during that span. He's the undisputed RB1 for this team because we even saw Tevin Coleman return healthy last week, and it was still the Michael Carter show show for me. He has gotten home against tough defenses and matchups that – You know, he racked up 18 PPR points against Buffalo, nearly 10 points against Indy the week before. Miami is the opposite of a tough matchup. They surrender the sixth most fantasy points to running backs this season, and although the Miami defense has heated up as of late, they gave up double-digit PPR points to Devonta Freeman, Corderell Patterson, and Zach Moss. So two of those guys, not really guys we've been relying on as much. I really like Carter in this spot as maybe the only Jets guy you have a lot of confidence in. Um, I know I've talked about him before as a sell-high um, I think you could ride him for one more week here and then kind of look to see where this schedule looks like going forward. Johnny, I want to know what this Joe Flacco situation does for our pass catchers is specifically Corey Davis and Elijah Moore, who both uh, showed some signs even in a boat racing uh, effort last week.
0: yeah, it's it's wild because like they they play pretty solid. like they they look like they play solid defense and and they have two really good corners but they're still Miami is still a top five matchup. Oh, even over the last five weeks, even though they've been playing slightly better the last couple of weeks, when you talk about Corey Davis, first game back, he saw 15% target share, not the greatest amount of target share, but he has had 76 or more air yards in all, but one game this season. And he he's pulling together some pretty decent games. So he's a little bit more consistent than we, than we'd expect. Right. Um, he's ran the third most number of snaps in the first game since his first game back. And he has an average of 15.2 yards per reception. So I do think because of the matchup, because of uh, what he does for this offense, how he's targeted quite often, I do think that Corey Davis can be flexed. He's more of a wide receiver three wide receiver four for me this week, but the matchup and, and I expect them to be down. I, I think Corey Davis is able to be rolled out there and in, in PPR. Then you talk about Elijah Moore. He's interesting to me. He's the one that I would be a little bit more intrigued in playing. And the simple reason is he's for me, he's got a relatively safe floor in that he's seen six or more targets in six out of seven games. He's getting 11 yards per reception. The, and his snap count is slowly getting up there. He ran the fourth most number of snaps last week, guys. But the thing that I really, really like is he's not bouncing off of, you know, when you look at target share 12, 15, 13 over the last three weeks. But when he's on the field, he gets targeted and more specifically in the red area. He's had four red area targets over the last three games, and he's gotten three touchdowns in that span. I do think if you need a what the heck flex, like you're you're going to be swinging for the upside because you're projected to be down. I don't think Elijah Moore is a bad option for you this week.
1: All right. Johnny calling a shot with Elijah Moore over Corey Davis, more confidence in there. That's an interesting take, but I like it. I like the juice there. Johnny's had his fair share of wins in that category. Uh, We're going to move on to the Carolina Panthers hosting the Washington football team. We'll get, the return of cam newton the full return of cam newton he's obviously back he told us all that very adamantly uh, last week but we will get to the panthers in a second uh they are not they are favored here by three and a half at home actually over the Mm -hmm. washington football team um and that's because the football team's kind of shown us a lot of inconsistency some of that inconsistency has trickled to our guy terry McLaurin. okay and i told you a couple weeks ago he was a buy low i don't think this window is going to remain open much longer i know he's not really gotten there for you in the last five, only you know, only once in the last five games really hit the ceiling that we wanted, uh, but he remains top five in the following advanced metrics. Air yards, unrealized air yards, air yard share, as well as deep targets. Hold him if you got him. Try to acquire him. If not, that would be my take. I want to speak quickly on Carter, DeAndre Carter, who's become somewhat of a deep threat for this team. Six targets, three catches, and nearly identical 50-yard and a touchdown outputs in back-to Back game so he's really starting to emerge here as somebody they use down the field look we were all hyped on curtis samuel maybe even daimi brown earlier this year as, as deeper sleepers on this team it looks like carter's the guy to have emerged lately and we'll see if that kind of sticks this is a really tough matchup for both wide receivers so terry's your only advised play here the panthers have allowed the third fewest points per game but they have given up Eight wide receiver scores, that's tied for the sixth most. So we like Terry McLaurin's uh, opportunity to get home just based on the opportunity he gets when, within the offense. Johnny, I want to talk, or uh, Austin, I wanted to ask you about Logan Thomas. He hasn't really gotten any kind of practice mm-hmm. in that we like yet, but he could be a uh, return. If he does go, is he in your lineup? You know what, Ter- uh, not Terry McLaurin, Terry McLaurin is in my lineup. Logan yeah. Thomas would
2: be in my lineup if he's actually going to be playing. But there's not a lot of optimism at this point. We're recording on Wednesday. He did not take the practice field yet this week. He's 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 eligible, but he's not yet getting prepared. Last week, Ron Rivera said he's simply just not ready yet. But once Logan Thomas is, and he's playing for the Washington football team, if I was playing Logan Thomas before the injury, I have no hesitation putting Logan Thomas back in immediately as he's in. We've seen a handful of players come back from prolonged injury and just hit the ground running. You know, whether this be David Montgomery or Christian McCaffrey. Uh, I had a little bit more of a hesitant approach to these guys returning after their first game. But I think that Ron Rivera is taking the cautious approach um, with Logan Thomas, and when he's ready to go, he's going to be ready to go, and this is a guy that pre-injury had not missed a single snap, and that and that was this season and pretty true as well for last season as well. So I like Logan Thomas as soon as he's back, but he's not back yet, continue to monitor that situation, Trevi.
1: And we'll monitor RSJ as well. Ricky Seals-Jones is a little bit mm-hmm. banged up as well, so really there's no advice play even behind him at this point. So we'll see what happens there. Maybe even more work for our guy, McLaurin, and what about the running game, Johnny? We actually saw Antonio Gibson get it done last week, get used as a bell cow again, score the two rushing touchdowns. Are we selling high on Gibson, trying to get out of him still because of that shin? Uh, I brought it up on the uh,
0: trade for trade away uh, show that we did on our YouTube channel. Here's the thing. it what, what did we see from Gibson last week? We saw a career high and 24 carries. You love that like, uh, career high, not year high. Career high and twenty
1: four. I mean, you saw only been in a year and a half, but yeah. Uh,
0: but I'm just saying that's what we all suspected with the the injury that he wouldn't. They wouldn't try to push as much, right? Coming off the right. buy, a little bit interesting that they gave him that. He found the end zone twice, which is bodes really well for him. But you have to. It's a little bit interesting in the fact that he or Bounce coming into this game, and then he scores two. He sits as the RB eighteen and the RB nineteen in PPR. He's only had double digit fantasy points in five out of nine games. So, can you trust him in your? It's interesting because Carolina is bottom half in fantasy points allowed to the running back position. If I had to trust one of the running backs this week, it would be Gibson. I would roll him out again. I think that he is uh buy. Uh, I think he is a sell high only if you need to get pieces. If you are trying to get to the playoffs, then I think I would go out and try to trade to get some pieces to give you help in that playoff push because he's coming off a monster game. You could probably get a nice another RB two and a potential wide receiver or something else in return for him. And I do like his schedule moving forward for those, if you're trying to acquire him, if you're in a winning position, I don't think it's bad to go acquire him because four out of the next seven games are against uh, top 10 fantasy points uh, defenses. So there is a good schedule, but again, the shin still does
1: concern me, but it does seem to be, Okay, doesn't seem to concern know. Ron Rivera. Like that's, right. what I, uh, what that's the point. point is that, you know, we've talked about this multiple times on the show that Austin said, like they feel ready to run them into the ground. And I think that's where, yeah. where we're kind of at. You kind of use them as you got them. And I think that's a good point, Johnny. Like we've talked about this now for a couple, uh, you know, for this whole week, there are four games left for most of your playoff pushes. Okay. Four games to try and get in. And if he's got three great matchups in those four Ooh. games, then you like what you're trying to do to get to the playoffs, or go to get yeah. him to get in, and then take your chances at somebody else at RB two or flex when that happens, or if he breaks down. So I think that's right. kind of where we're at with Gibson. You ride him if you got him, and you're and you're close to the borderline of a muddled up situation. We're talking yeah, about this stuff. Just uh, go for it. I I, I just sorry I just
0: wanted to touch on McKissick because I know that we've talked about McKissick right. and and whether or not you should start him over Gibson. I again I would not play. McKissick this week over Gibson because Carolina is very stout against the running back. But I do want to know, it seems to be the sweet spot for McKissick is about 10 touches per uh, in a game. When he does that, when he gets over 10 touches, which he's seen four times this year, those finishes RB seven, RB 14, RB 13, RB 15 in PPR. If he doesn't get those 10, uh, get the to nine, if he has nine or uh, fewer touches, these are his finishes rb70 rb44 rb66 yes. rb29 rb38 so it's he's got to get those 10 touches in order to be fancy you know a, a boom day and i just don't know if he gets them this week against carolina
1: it seems Great like the that, games man. where we think they can win are the games that we probably play Gibson and the games that we don't think they can win. Now we didn't think they could beat Tampa Bay, but that happened. Tampa Bay was
0: the unusual one,
1: right? That was the the other one. But if you look at these games where McKissick hasn't had good games, you know, it's been against the teams we think that they can't beat. So I actually kind of like that outlook here for McKissick. And I think this is a game actually that we actually like, Carolina in a little bit more. So we'll we'll kind of see how this plays out. I wanted to Mm -hmm. talk about these tough decisions because we're moving to the Carolina Panthers situation, Austin, and Cam has now presented himself, making a tough decision for you, maybe in your roster, if you're looking for someone to stream this week, because Mm -hmm. dude played 12 snaps last week and scored two touchdowns, Austin. Right. So he reminded Mm -hmm. us that he's got some juice there. Any juice for you in this streamable matchup here? I mean, he's always going to
2: have a little bit of juice and consideration when Cam Newton is standing behind center, but I wouldn't lean on this appeal outside of two quarterback leagues, and even then, I'm still weighing other options, Trabby Last week was fun. Um, At one point, it was even two touchdowns on two snaps. That's how efficient Cam Newton was producing, but I'm not a prisoner of this moment. I'm a conscious observer of the last couple of seasons of Cam Newton football. In 2020, Cam averaged 18.3 fantasy points per game in six-point passing leagues. Not bad. Uh, He also had an equal amount of games Games with 25-plus points and games of five points or less. Mm. So he's a super volatile player, and this is with him getting all of the snaps, not something that we know is going to be happening moving forward. There are still a lot of question marks in Carolina. Uh, I'm not excited to start Cam flat out, but he is a stash for me. If Cam is feeling good and he's empowered to play to his strengths, Cam could be for in for a late season, come up at the quarterback position, but you really need to temper your expectations, especially early on.
1: Well, we can't we don't need to temper expectations on Christian McCaffrey guys because he's actually done exactly what we thought he would do. I mean, back from injury the last 2 weeks, 20 and a half touches per game, including 14 of 15 targets for 110 receiving over the last 2 weeks. He did have a situation they evaluated him for concussion last week. He cleared that. Your patience on holding him has paid off or your gamble to acquire him during the during the injury has paid off. He's the RB1 for me, ranked number 1 rest of season. Uh, barring the re-injury going into just his pure usage. Johnny, I need to know what we're supposed to do with DJ Moore. Are we holding because of Cam Newton? Do we think this is a benefit? We talked about you know buying him low a couple weeks ago, but Darnold couldn't get back healthy. Cam is now the starter again. Where are we at? I'm going to tell you everything that you need
0: to know. Somebody and name is DJ Moore is who you're going to need to know about. Okay. I, Johnny, listen, are I, you now I,
1: combining two songs when you do your
0: ad singing? No, that was one song. Tell me oh, about okay. somebody that I used to, well, I guess you I, you might get I, three I mean, next time. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I guess I did. I you mean, I changed the, it there.
1: I, I just, guess I did. Change I, the, I was the, just the saying that's how advanced it is. The inception yeah. has gotten so far that you're able to combine multiple songs. Hey, I, well, I try to do carry on. Carry on. I try to,
0: I try to do my best. Um, uh, but, Listen, I understand DJ Moore has been struggling hard. And it it might be very difficult to get him in your lineup at this point because he's been struggling for so for so long and he's had some pretty good matchups. But Washington does rank top six in fantasy points allowed to the wide receiver position. So if you can't if you if you are going to start him despite being, you know, not producing over the last few weeks. This would be a great matchup to just rely on what the metrics are showing us and what the metrics and the analytics are showing us is that despite the struggle and the slump, he is still earning a very, very solid target market share for his team. He's leading that during the last three weeks, 33%, 24%, and 21% target share. He's running 22 Uh, 2.02 yards per route ran again we want to look for those wide receivers anything over two usually indicates that they are due for some kind of big day or they're they're getting involved heavily in the offense so that's what we want to target 60 or more air yards in all but two games this year you are go and chase the air yards when everything is not lining up it's all not lining up for DJ Moore but it should get better cuz that's the one thing that we don't question with Cam Newton we could question the accuracy and the deep the deep attempts right to uh to wide receivers however DJ Moore is being used all over the field he's played with Cam Newton before and so i do think that if there's a wide receiver i'm starting and playing, it would be DJ Moore. And I do think he's a potential buy low right now as well because he's been producing so poorly. But he is this team's number one wide receiver. It's not Robbie Anderson. Despite Robbie Anderson scoring a touchdown last, don't chase the points, Whisper Nation. He has only eclipsed 40 receiving yards twice in 10 games this season. Don't chase the points. It was a, a, a only one
1: of those games was with Cam Newton. yeah Robbie exactly. Anderson has now sat on the golf cart with for practice, sat in a press press conference with after the game, taken selfies with and caught the touchdown from Cam last week. So Johnny, I just I have to know. final answer. There's nothing there for Robbie Anderson, right? No
0: nothing there for Robbie Anderson. Really, it was really a fluke that he scored the touchdown. It was a fluke. He scored the touchdown because the Cardinals had no idea. Listen, I understand. Oh, Cam Newton, two touchdowns in two. he got the ball at the three and the three yard or in the two yard line. First of all. And when he comes in there, Cardinals had never, they did not. Everyone was saying all week and everyone was projecting. Cam would not play any snaps because he just got signed on Friday. Right. And right. so right. it's like, what were they going to do? When he comes in the game, you're like, oh, he doesn't know any other thing but besides running. So why would we play the pass well, at all,
1: which just is the why most Anderson receiver was on the field? But yeah, no, he didn't. I wanted Mike to bring Texas up
2: the run. comment that Cam had made about DJ Moore and their relationship because they're tight. But do you hear what he said? He's like, yeah. when I left, I told him he was Simba. But now he's still Simba. He ain't leveled up there. I'm Mufasa. And I was like, you know Mufasa <laughs> well, dies like in the he, beginning, <laughs> right, Yeah, his
1: oh god that's a bad foreshadowing but we know that they yeah that's horrible dude they have that clowning relationship it'll be funny or it'll be hopefully not funny it'll hopefully be inspiring to see what happens with that relationship if dj Moore can get home a lot more here we're going to move on to the next game guys the buffalo bills are hosting the indianapolis colts this is a 50 point over under buffalo favored by a smooth touchdown at home here it's we look smooth. at the Indianapolis Colts. We talked about last week how Carson Wentz had missed the birth of his child. Well, actually, I don't know if the child is No, was born, it, it hasn't he been was, Okay. Uh, the son, I believe. it's. I believe it's a male. I, I could be botching this. But we talked about how he could potentially be missing the birth of his child. Well, he kind of wishes that he maybe went to the hospital here because he had a really bad game. And if you, you're you likely, if you had Wentz and you were streaming him last week or been streaming him, you probably look to waivers this week. Austin, I want to give those people confidence or maybe sway them to hang on to Wentz. Where are you at with putting Wentz back on waivers here? You know, it's an interesting game there, right? Because the Colts won
2: and there were no interceptions thrown. I would have expected Wentz to have more than 7.1 fantasy points. Oh, yeah. but. I think the reason why is because of Jonathan Jonathan Taylor and the the vein of this offense going mm-hmm. through him in the run game. It's, it's the first time JT had over 20 carries this season, and it is clear that Jonathan Taylor is the main vein of this offense. This means that they're going to go to him first and often revert to throwing only when the run game option has been stifled. Wentz will have great games, but his floor is really low because the Colts just want to win games. Um, and in a strong, a strong run game paired with a strong defense and a clock management role, I think is their preferred path. And Wentz hasn't broken 300 yards. Um, he's broken 300 yards just once this season, actually, and has as many games with no touchdowns as he does with three touchdowns. He's a high end streamer for me and against the Bills top ranked pass defense, though, uh, who has let up the fewest points per game at the quarterback position. I'm going to lean away from Wentz. It's, it's not a permanent Type of evaluation, but it's a it's a week to week type matchup, and I'm not vibing it this week, Travy.
1: I like that call and it's like maybe hang on to Wentz because we've seen him do it, you know. So if yeah. you're you're in the Tannehill situation where you moved on to Wentz and he's paid off, maybe you hang on to Wentz, you go a different Damn. streaming route. We talked about Tua Hill or Tua Tua Hill. We talked Tua. about Tua uh instead. I think I like that call a lot, Austin. Yeah. Um I want to know. You know, when I looked at this matchup, I wanted to know if we're fading Pittman against Buffalo because this is such a tough matchup. I mean, I know Pittman has been great. He's been a big play threat, settling right into the team's main vein in the passing game. Obviously, Austin talked about how JT is the actual main vein. It's JT's team, make no mistake, but Pittman can remain useful if he continues shredding in the passing game. So check this out. He's 44th in target rate, guys, which I thought, okay, that makes sense. They're not a high volume attack, but he's still 10th in receptions and 8th in receiving yards. In among wide receivers and 14th in yards after the catch. I mean, this guy's getting it done. We talk about targets being earned, and not all targets are created equal. If you're getting the targets that mean the most, play action targets being one of them. And in this option, in this offense, play action means a lot because everybody's sucking up and biting up on JT. That sounded really bad. Wow, um, dude. Yeah, <laughs> but you I will just say, there. I will you say the, de- <laughs> the deception that's created by JT in this offense means that Michael Pittman's going to make more bang for his buck um we talked about ty hilton being in effect i don't think he's in effect anymore he's got three games played uh this year and he's not seen more than five targets in any game and he's averaging 5.7 ppr points per game he's kind of an afterthought i don't think they're going to get him to be the deep threat guy he was before he's kind of just trying to ride whatever indy's doing this year uh and i think he'll probably be done with them buffalo still allowing the least amount of points per game to wide receivers but just last week they gave up 93 yards to Corey Davis and a touchdown to Elijah Moore. Pittman has some outs this week even in a really tough matchup. I think he's a guy you can trust as a wide receiver 2-3 borderline. He's a guy who's posted wide receiver numbers one numbers on the year, but I think you'll temper expectations and put him in your lineup. Johnny, I want to ask I wanted to ask you, you know, we know Jonathan Taylor's good at football. Like we don't have to spend much time there, but I wanted to ask is he a top 3 pick next year? Like is he going close to number 1 overall next year, maybe even number 1 overall. I I think he should be number 1 overall to be honest with you. I mean,
0: what why shouldn't he be? We talk about what what is he what is he seeing right now? He's seeing 63.3% of this team's rushing share, 55% of the uh team's share as far as uh the the entire opportunity share for this op- offense from the running back position. And you look at what Frank Reich does in his history. He has, he has generally given this to that lead dog. He has given up um, not quite what he's given to Jonathan Taylor, to Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack had about 55%. That's what he was seeing between receiving and rushing work. He is up that to, for Jonathan Taylor because Jonathan Taylor is that good. Jonathan Taylor is one of those game-changing running backs, that pedigree of running back that we like. He's a big running back, so he should be pretty durable. And the other thing that you really like about this, right? Offensive line. His offensive line is, is should stay intact. As long as they stay relatively healthy, it should be one of the better offensive lines in football. And I know that we talk about and throughout the stat where, you know, the offensive line doesn't mean uh, necessarily that they are going to be a good fantasy option or they're not because, you know, five of the top 10 were from a good offensive line and five of the top 10 were from a bad offensive line. I'll tell you if something, you know, if you're giving me an option, Travis, of, hey, go with option A with a good offensive line where he's going to get a lot of red zone touches because they don't necessarily trust in Carson Wentz fully in the red area or give me some other option for option B. They have a terrible offensive line. But they might struggle getting the ball down to the red area, or uh, it's a struggle week to week on if I'm going to get my points. I want to go the easy route, so I do think that Jonathan Taylor. There were some arguments early on. If you if you you know were uh, subscribed to the channel that long, where we were ta- having this conversation early on in the summer is Jonathan Taylor a top 3 pick cuz originally he was if you were mock drafting with us right. way he back when in five. April he was top 5 yeah. and yeah I understand originally it was a little crazy you guys but uh it, he's he's really putting in work and and what we thought is now you, matching up with uh what he's producing so absolutely
1: I want to go quickly over to the Bills side of things and not I mean look Stephon Diggs kind of returned to what we had wanted him to do all year like he had been good Austin we knew this like he hadn't been bad but he hadn't hit the ceiling last week he finally got there got home is this a return to normalcy and what does this mean maybe for the rest of the wide receivers or do you think it'll be more like this where we're going to have spiked ceiling games and more consistent wide receiver two play out of him?
2: Yeah, I think it's gonna be a little bit more like the latter. You know, two weeks ago I talked about Stefan Diggs and I said, I think a pop game is coming from Diggs soon. Now his we we've been he's been a wide receiver too, you know, most of the year, but he's been like fairly consistent. And he his numbers are down in a couple of metrics from last year. And remember, he finished as the number three overall wide receiver last year. So his numbers are down a little bit. We got ten point three seven targets last year to nine point four four. So like 0.9 less targets per year this year. And his target share is down a little bit too from 29% last year, to 25%. So I don't think that he's going to be a top three wide receiver again because of that. But when you look at what he is doing with the work that he's gotten, he's, he's getting more yards per catch than he did last year. They're up actually uh, to 13.3 over a yard per catch more now. So he's not going to be a top five or top three wide receiver for me, Travi, but I think he's going to still be a wide receiver one. And he's been a wide receiver two. So I think that means we're going to see a stronger second half than we did first half of the season. The floor is slightly lower for Diggs due to the diversity of weapons. But his connection is just as good with Josh Allen, if not better. And his play style is really right for big games like we saw last week. Um, Yeah, so I'm excited about him moving forward. And I like him this week too. Travis going up against Indianapolis, who has given up the fifth most amount of points uh, per game to wide receivers.
1: Yeah, does that Uh, make a play? Do we make a play for Gabe Davis or Emmanuel Sanders or even Cole Beasley? I know Beasley had a little bit of an injury thing last week. I think it's starting to lean
0: towards Gabe Davis is the guy that – Is interesting, right? Higher
1: upside with Sanders. I just think we've seen it. We've seen all three now. So like we've seen it was Sanders, then it was Beasley. Now it's Gabe Davis. I don't I don't know. And Knox is returning. I'll just, you know, segue right into that. He came back from the broken hand. He only saw one target. He caught it for 17 yards, but. There was a play that didn't count and ended up calling back for penalty that he could have scored a touchdown on. He didn't catch it, obviously, but he remained healthy, played 84 percent of snaps. He's going to get right here. I think I want to know if he's going to remain top six. We'll kind of monitor that. But um, this is a top six defense for him to face in Indianapolis uh, as far as points allowed to the tight end position. Johnny, I wanted to ask about the backfield because all three got involved last week and, and we've been trying to really say that Moss is eventually going to win this backfield and none of that has happened and I don't know really what to advise at this point Whisper Nation is to do with these backs maybe avoid yeah
0: I I tried to avoid I mean what's nice it doesn't come down to one of those situations where it's like uh, a really great matchup and you're not really sure what to do what is is that It's not a great matchup, so it would be advised either way if we did know who the running back to play here was. We would say, all right, maybe temporary or at least temporary expectations. But with the Colts being bottom three and fantasy points allowed to the running back position over the last five weeks, you want to stay away from this backfield. Look, Zach Moss, I still do really think that he's the one that you're going to want long term is interesting to know as of late i understand he's dealing with the concussion and the prior game but coming back in this game it was against the jets right so keep that in mind everyone runs a lot we talked about earlier in this matchup show how you know the jets just surrender double what the league average is so that is partially why matt burrito was able to also score a touchdown i believe right i still think it's a zach moss and singletary but with zach moss coming back such a later in the week coming off the concussion, not really sure if he was going to play. I think that's why they schemed in Burita. Zach Moss, after seeing eleven carries in uh one out of in the first one out of four games, he hasn't seen more than eight carries in the last four games guys so there is some some concern there they he needs to see that snap share back up into that 60 range where i would feel comfortable starting in my lineup again last week it was in the 30s uh and similar to devin singletary also in the 40 percent snap share but he hasn't seen more than seven, seven carries since week four so i don't like either of the any of these running backs this week guys uh because it's not a great matchup and you just don't know what they're going to do
1: Well, I know what Whisper Nation should do, and that's go check out Underdog Fantasy because it's the best and easiest place to play fantasy football for big cash prizes. They have player prop bets like over and under on touchdowns, receiving yardage, rushing totals, and so much more. We will be helping you with all this information you get from us each and every day over on the Fantasy Whispers. Build those bet slips each and every week. That you can have on underdogfantasy.com. And if you, we're going to start doing a new face-off Friday show on Patreon. So if you get over to patreon.com forward slash the fantasy whispers, you can actually draft with us on Underdog. But that's not it. You're going to get 100% off your deposit match for up to $100 when you use the promo code TFW. That's underdogfantasy.com. You can download the app, use the promo code TFW for up to $100 in match money for your first deposit. TFW for 100 bucks. Gentlemen, we're moving on to the Detroit Lions visiting the Cleveland Browns in this projected onslaught by the Browns here. You know, they're looking to get that bad taste out of their mouth from the Patriots game, and they have found a team that will probably let them do that in the Detroit Lions. It's a 44-point over-under. We've got Cleveland favored by 10 at home here. I wanted to ask coming in on the Detroit side of the ball. It seems like every week we know what we're looking at here. It's Deandre Swift and it's TJ Hawkinson. And so like everything else is kind of whatever last week, Hawkinson did not pay off at all. And now my DMS and our shows All week long has been T.J. Hawkinson. Do we panic? What the heck? What's going on, Austin? I just want to ask, is the Hawkinson panic warranted? Are we concerned that this is we're going to get more performances like this? You you if if you're going to panic at the thought of getting
2: more performances like this, panic. But I would say avoid the panic by just adjusting your expectations and recognize that we're looking at a tight end. And this might be a stretch of a comparison, but Hawkinson to me is kind of like a broke as shit Travis Kelsey. It's not like a poor man's Travis Kelsey. It's a broke as shit Travis Kelsey. But I think there are some real similarities there between them. Like, remember when Travis Kelsey finished with just 27 yards and a fumble three weeks ago? He was still the tight end one. After that game of having such a a pitiful performance and after last week's zero game for TJ Hawkinson, he's still the tight end five in PPR formats Um, and in terms of the roles like physically gifted no competition behind him a legitimate athletic performer at the tight end position with no real competition behind him. It's just the Chiefs or the the Lions, you know what I mean and then it's Travis Kelsey who is. Legendary and and Hawkinson who like might be on a trajectory to be there someday. We're kind of holding out hope for uh, the top, the the first round selected tight end uh, a few years ago. Um, So, you know, while last week's game was really bad, you can't avoid what came right before that in the last game where he had 10 catches on 11 targets. Um, So it's if you're going to ride the highs and the lows, like you're going to have more 10 target, a lot of reception games and PPR. He should, he should keep doing really well for you. And we saw how he started off the season and that's all there. And I think he's actually getting more healthy. He was dealing with knees. He was dealing with shoulders. He seems like he is healthy right now. And the lions had their first not loss of the season last week. I don't think it's like a whole lot better for the lions, but I think you just ride the waves with TJ Hawkinson. Um, I would say though, if you wanted to just try to trade and get out of this situation, um, I, I understand. I, I get it. Um, it's going to be tough to predict outcomes with a team like Detroit. And you might be able to go and get like a more consistent piece out of Hawkinson and the name value that he holds. But like, I think he's got big games coming. I think you got low games coming because it's a tight end playing for the lions. Um, but I'm not panicking. I'm just adjusting expectations for, for what we've seen.
1: Yeah. I'd really only want to try and stay the same. So an interesting Trade I tried to pull off the other week was like Mike Gasicki and a Michael Carter to come back to me for a TJ Hawkinson, which is like something where I'm staying the same at Hawkinson's value and I'm getting another piece that I can use right there. But that's about that. it. Like, I just think there's situations where Hawkinson week to week is going to give you what the guys in the top five give you. And, and yes, he's going to have the down games. But what else are you going to get from on the waivers right now? Are you going to rely like- on he reminds me of the Mark Andrews of last year,
0: right? Whereas like you look at Mark Andrews last year and it was like he finished as a top five tight end. But you look at the week to week, week and weeks. it was, yeah. yeah, it was major spiked week. So, yeah. And like there was nothing like you were still playing Mark Andrews every week. It was just something you kind of had to, you know, stomach you as a live with. As, yeah.
1: Yeah and it just means in other areas you're going for upside with your flex you know in other areas you're trying to solidify that more and maybe you're targeting those in trades cuz they're more easily acquirable than a tight end you're starting every week on we're starting DeAndre Swift every week but i wanted to note his touches 36 total touches last week like i don't see that high of a touch count continuing but we are licking our lips if he can continue to get this kind of usage because he plays guys in the fantasy playoffs: Arizona, Atlanta, and Seattle. That is absolutely awesome. There, we taught, we saw some usage here with uh, Jamal Williams out, Jamar Jefferson, who then got dinged up, and then Godwin I. I'm not even going to attempt to say his last name. Yeah. I'm just going to call him God I uh, <laughs> or Godwin I. Uh, But they both scored on limited usage. I think it was like a few snaps between them that they got in on. They just happened to get the touchdowns after DeAndre Swift uh, warmed up the defense or softened it up, I should say. Cleveland is pretty sturdy against running backs, but they've given up the third most receiving touchdowns to running backs this year. So we like Swift to get home and make up for not scoring last week. I want to talk about the Cleveland uh, side of the ball briefly here because it's not looking great on offense. We kind of know what we want to attack here. But Austin, um, you know, Baker's health in this passing game has looked really you know spotty week to week anything here on the outlook for this game and, and what you would project whisper nation do here yeah you
2: know you're starting dick chubb obviously if he's playing but there's so many question marks right now starting with baker mayfield you know the team is really struggling over there in cleveland it's one of the most disappointing progressions i think of the nfl i was so excited for the cleveland browns the baker mayfield all of the great pieces and we were talking about him as like a, a dark horror Super Bowl contender, you know, and we are we are not making that same call uh, anymore so many question marks bakers banged up um, the running back situation we don't know what it's going to look like we've had a lot of movement at the wide receiver position either because of the release of obj because of injuries there to jarvis landry there's just a lot of question marks there hasn't been consistency at a single position all season long Um, and last week was a really tough week for anybody involved in the passing attack i'm going to stay away until i'm forced to reconsider travis
1: yeah i think that's a pretty good strategy on these guys we need to see a little bit more from this offense post obj and just really get the backs back i think well that will probably add another element to the offense as well but speaking of the running backs we're looking at nick chubb we're thinking he's going to be ready to go but we're going to need to monitor his COVID status cream hunt is not cleared for this week is probably not going to play i think that was announced actually today that he's not going to play um and then dearness johnson so I wanted to talk about this because in the Pittsburgh and Cincy games, both with Chubb and without Hunt, DJ saw fewer than eight touches per game and failed to get to the top 10 in PPR points or to top 10 points in PPR. And I had talked about a couple of weeks ago that I thought Dearness Johnson had some juice here as a standalone value, but we just have not seen that yet. Despite being an absolute baller in the two games where neither of those top two running backs played, it doesn't seem like they want to use DJ in any kind of complimentary role to Chubb without Hunt in there. But, there could be hope in this matchup because the Lions are not quite the Jets guys, but they are the next best thing. And of course we are starting Chubb. If hunt got, and if Hunt got cleared, we would start him as well in the flex. But I do think there's sneaky flex play again. I know you guys are probably like, no, not Dearness Johnson, not again. But look at the matchup here. The matchup's much better than the other two that he's faced. Uh, and I think this is an actually one where he can get home. They are nearly 10-point favorites, I believe, in this game. Yeah, 10-point favorites in this game. And so that, for me, spells like Dearness Johnson's going to get some work in this game, regardless of, of Nick Chubb's status. So I think he's definitely worth it a little bit here. We're going to move on to the sixth matchup on the slate. The Jacksonville Jaguars are hosting the San Francisco 49ers in a 45 and a half point um, over under here. San Francisco fo- uh, favored by six and a half on the road here. Austin, I want to start this off with maybe the biggest news coming out of San Francisco this week. Elijah Mitchell suffered a, suffered a fractured finger, got a pin in it, but there's still optimism. He's going to be able to practice and play. What do we think about the broken finger and Jeff Wilson season, maybe? Uh, If Mitchell doesn't go, where are we at with this backfield?
2: We give a little bit of context on this backfield as a whole. Trey Sermon, Elijah Mitchell, and Jeff Wilson Jr. are the only running backs in San Francisco to get 10 or more carries in 2021. And at this stage, we really don't have a lot of clarity on Sunday's availability. Elijah Mitchell is having a procedure done on his finger, as you mentioned, Travi. And we're still unclear as of Wednesday of what the expectations for his Uh, of opportunity and availability will be for that day. This is football. You know, it doesn't sound good, but it's football. And guys play with missing limbs and and things all the time. We, like, literally have people blow off their fingers and make their next start. It's a wild game in a wild world. Uh, Trey Sermon is healthy, was the higher draft pick, but hasn't played since week five. And in week four, he did take 19 carries for 89 yards, which means if he is active, you can't say he's a non-factor. We've seen him be a factor this season already, and he is healthy. Wilson got his first action of the season. 10 carries is nice. 28 yards is not, and he didn't claim anything though. And then we've also got to Michael hasty who is dealing with an ankle. So we've got a bunch of banged up dudes and the highest draft pick back in sermon being a healthy scratch over the last several games. I mean, we're going to see more information as it comes in making a prediction though. If Elijah Mitchell is in, he's clearly their best halfback. I'd be starting him, but if he's not, and Trey Sermon is also inactive then i'd be fine starting Wilson but if Sermon is active hasty's active say Sermon's active as well i'd really try to fade out entirely on this entire situation so if Elijah Mitchell's in i'm starting him i'm good there but to say a start on the Sermon the Jeff Wilson side i would need to know a little bit more about hasty and and all of that situation if there's three active backs i'm i'm just i'm going i'm going to fade away on this one for me.
1: Yeah, I, I think I'm my, my finger on the pulse here, I think, you know, and this is tough because Austin makes, makes a great case that there's just so many names in the backfield. But I do think that if Mitchell is inactive, I don't see a situation where Wilson doesn't get the carries. 10 carries last week really saw... Really, we really saw what they want to do here. I think that Wilson is the direct backup for Eli Mitchell. Now, of course, this wasn't a game where Hasty was inactive, of course. And we saw actually check get used more in the passing game. So it's a, that's a fourth back, that's like that, or a fifth back you didn't even talk about. So there's so many guys we're talking about. But I do think that Wilson's the best bet. And if you're in a situation in a bind that if Mitchell doesn't go, I think I would suggest Wilson be in your lineup. You suggest of you would suggest or of the backs, but would you suggest Jeff Wilson if Sermon? And Hasty
2: are active, are both active? Yeah, I think he'd be my bet in that backfield. Yeah. Is he sneaky uh, or is he desperate? Is he less desperate or is he I sneaky? Think
1: he'd, I think he'd be sneaky. And I think the reason is we've seen him in this exact offense replace the exact type of player uh, in Mostert last year and be an RB2 and be the pass catching and the red zone specialist in this exact offense. So I know that there's a lot of uncertainty because of the new names in there. We've got Hasty and Sermon and these new guys and Mitchell this year that are new, but. We know what they want out of Jeff Wilson. They've kept him coming back here. We know that they this is the guy that's been the backup. So that I think Mm -hmm. that's that's what we have here. At least that's what we can go off of. We can read the tea leaves as much as we can try. I want to talk a little bit about Jimmy Garoppolo here because I do think he's on the streaming radar. We talked about maybe going away from Wentz, maybe you know, you're fading some of these other options. I think Jimmy G's a good spot to look at two or more total touchdowns in three straight games, averaging 21 fantasy points over his last three weeks, 320 more passing yards in two of his last three. He's He's gonna get the Jags in a game that they're favored in. Uh decent over under 45 points. They've got a decent point total here. We've seen him have rushing touchdown upside when they get in the red zone. I think Jimmy G's a sneaky, streamable play here. I do mm-hmm. want to talk to Austin about or Johnny about Debo obviously just not quitting at this point. Maybe check in on Brandon Ayuk and, and what we have here.
0: Yeah, so some I mean, Ayuk still or excuse me, Debo still doing his thing, but here's what's It's really unusual what Debo is doing because, and I'm just going to spill it out here because it's pretty wild and pretty, it's fun to watch for sure. But right now he ranks number one in yards after the catch with 535. He's number two in receiving yards for all wide receivers with 979 uh, yard receiving yards, but he is 28th in air yards. He is 12th in receiving yards And six of the nine games that Debo has had more uh, in six of Debo's nine games so far this season, he's had more. Nice. Exactly. He's had more air yards or excuse me, more receiving yards than air yards in that game. So they use him very close to this. That's a good thing. Right. It's uh, Well,
1: that means they're completing on their
0: passes, right? Well, it means that they're very close to line of scrimmage. If your if if your air yards aren't exceeding what your receiving yards are, then chances are that you're getting it by the line of scrimmage. They're doing screens, they're doing dump offs. And that's why you're seeing him, you know, be the number one in yards after contact and uh or yards after the catch and in receiving yards because he does that. He's a slippery fish, as they might say but it is interesting to note he did only see 5 targets last week despite you know and scoring 2 touchdowns on 5 targets he had uh, it, all of this is just leading to he is being very 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 productive with what he is his opportunities that are being presented now does that change over the next couple of weeks as Kittle comes back more and more and we talked about Ayuk who has 3 straight weeks of 22% target share uh, that is impeding a little bit on Debo. That's why his target share is slightly coming down. And and Iuk three consecutive weeks with 86% or more snap share. So you're starting to see Debo really starting to get on the field, a l- or Iuk, excuse me, starting to get on the field a little bit more. I think you could start both of these guys because Jacksonville is just that bad. They're bottom 10 and fancy points allowed uh, to wide receivers. Uh, so I would start both of them, but Debo is just continue to be super super productive uh, throughout the season, and so it'll be interesting to know
2: if that continues. Or if I got to add in content or catch up. I got to add in this caveat because it connects to Johnny's point. And it also connects to my conversational points on the running backs, which I failed to mention. Um, I didn't I didn't bring this one up because I didn't I didn't see the carries for Debo referenced in the box score I was looking at. But I needed to mention that because Johnny said that he had five receptions, which is true for 97 yards. Johnny said he had two touchdowns on those five receptions. He had one touchdown on those five receptions, and he had another touchdown rushing the ball where he had five carries, half of what Jeff Wilson got. He took those five carries for 36 yards, 7.2 yards per carry, and a touchdown. We saw him utilized in the red zone, and we were talking about this guys on Monday night. Debo looked well, like looked good. He was running, he was slippery, he was moving the ball well. And so to Johnny's point then, yeah, like Gibo might be getting less opportunity from the air, but then as we see more halfbacks for the 49ers go down... Debo is the one that's coming in and adding to that so we should also talk about Debo Samuel as being a part of the Jamichael Hasty the Jeff Wilson uh the possible sermon mix if Elijah Mitchell has I anything out I, 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 I just think don't. what it
1: equates to is more of um this is like a souped up version of Robert Woods this offense is very similar what they did a lot with Robert Woods was put jet sweeps in maybe get him in the backfield a little bit and what we're seeing out of our guy Debo Samuel is he's elite at yards after the catch. He's mm-hmm. like, before we he's liked Iuk like, Debo had done this the year before. He was a wide yeah. receiver three in PPR. Like he had already been uh, the new hotness, but then they got and drafted Iuk, and we saw some flashy plays from Ayuk last year, but guess what? Debo got back healthy this year for a guy that he played with in Jimmy G before. And their chemistry is apparent. Now, yes, as Austin said, like, five targets but then also five carries so 10 touches still equates to the touches that we're talking about if he goes down in, in pass catching Debo's the alpha here and I don't think that changes I think what could happen is we could see something where it evens out more and he goes more of a wide receiver too if I you can emerge or Kittle can be there but I think there's no reason to think that kit that Iuke isn't going to dominate or I'm sorry that Debo isn't going to dominate further I
0: that was the most carries that he doesn't normally get like I, that's why i'm not banking on we have not seen devo get sure, but he was, he was phenomenal before. he was but he also great work and, and they and they kicked the shit out of the ramps I, so like why would i, I get you keep utilizing but him in that way the same reason the same reason Rondell moore isn't seeing more and more snaps beside because he isn't uh or he is super efficient with did hit his, with the Rondell mark comp. no no, no I, what i'm saying is it's just because it worked against one matchup doesn't mean it works against everyone and just because because they use a player in a certain game plan for one game doesn't mean it's going to be the same moving forward. So does, and, and here's the other thing. That's a kind of a trick thing about it. Very similar to what I'm saying on a quick screen to the outside. If it does not pass the line of scrimmage, it counts as a rush. So, he is getting. That's what I'm talking about. It the doesn't count as a rush baseline. unless the ball goes backwards. If the ball goes backwards, right. it's a rush. If it goes forward, Co- which it usually correct.
2: does on a screen pass,
0: correct. Yes. So. But when you're when you're talking about very similar to what Travis was saying about how they use Bobby T. When they get him in the in the backfields, oftentimes he goes behind the quarterback and they get that screen or that that uh, pass to the back and it ends up turning into a rush sometimes. And so I'm just saying I don't project him to have five rushing attempts. At all, any, right? Any which means so he'll
1: probably he's probably gonna have more targets. Yeah, like I think he, they're they're gonna the, the bottom line is they're scheming Debo into the game. That's what they want right. to do. He, and they win games good, when he does. And he's really good, and he wins when they do. Yeah. So. That's how it's going to be. I think the rest of the year on the Jacksonville side of the ball, we got to talk about James Robinson really quick prior to the injury. We talked about James Robinson, not seeing fewer than 19 touches in his previous four games. He came back though and got 16 touches, but still hit 18 PPR fantasy points, 84 total yards and a touchdown utmost confidence in his volume. It's going to carry him even in a top 12, uh, matchup here or an even in a, against a top 12 ranked PFF defense in San Francisco. Uh, Austin. Hey, Arnold, man. This guy continues to be a tight end one rest of season. We love what we're seeing out of Dan Arnold here.
2: Yeah. And I just keep continuing to take my notes from the previous week's breakdown and just keep reiterating them because they just keep being like the exact same storyline. It just keeps moving forward in this way. Um, You know, I could talk about how the last two weeks worth of notes have basically been the same. I'll just, I'll just tell you that they were, I won't tell you what those notes exactly were, but we've seen him be the tight end six over the last three weeks. Uh, He's averaging in the 60 yards per game territory a little over 60 a little under 70 uh, getting about seven targets coming his way as uh, finished as 8.7 points uh, last week was the tight end six for week 10 um, and over the last three weeks he's the tight end six overall I, I, I think that's what we just kind of continue to see out of Dan Arnold it's a back end tight end one which is like that six to 12 range expect 40 to 70 yards with decent amounts of targets like four to seven targets coming his way five to six catches something like that most weeks and hey he might get in the end zone and have have a, and have a uh, sizable day for you.
1: Yeah, I, I like Dan Arnold. I think he's going to continue to be that tight end one. Um, and like you said, it'll be back end, but like we're getting aggravated with our other tight ends. And if you waited and streamed, like you're happy with picking up Dan Arnold or a Pat firemouth or something like that. Johnny, I want to yeah. give you space here to talk about Jamal Agnew because he's consistently been the piece that we want to invest in among the wide receivers. And you've called this shot. You think that continues here in this matchup? I do think... Agnew is
0: the safest wide receiver of the three. He's played 76% or more of snaps in two out of the last three weeks, double-digit fantasy points in four out of the five games since Chark went down with the injury since he kind of took over that LaVisca Chanel in the slot. So I do think that his floor is the safest of these wide receivers. And then, you know, if you get lucky like you did last week, he sneaks in for a touchdown, then you have your upside there. We do know the 49ers typically do allow a lot of yardage gain by a wide receiver. They're pretty locked down on, you know, the number one wide receivers uh, in, in most cases, unless you're you know an alpha and then you tend to have your day against the 49ers but I do think you know it, when you're looking at these other two wide receivers Marvin Jones and chanault the reason you can't trust them is like they're getting the air yards they're just not connecting on anything uh 80 or more air yards for Marvin Jones in three out of the last five games yet he's h- held to three or fewer catches those three out of five games and Chenault on the other side, four or more target or four or fewer targets and three out of five games. He did see eight targets this past week, uh, which was the second most since DJ Chark went, went down, but unfortunately he was only able to haul in three of them. You're seeing this really inconsistency coming from, uh, from the quarterback. And so as a result, it's affecting everyone except for uh, in the pass catching jamal agnew and then obviously dan arnold so uh if you yeah, who'd to, have what thought that...
1: this is what we all thought too right going in the year yeah, jamal exactly. Agnew, and arnold would be the leading uh weapons for the for the jaguars that we want in the passing game God, if down. that hasn't got me on tilt uh nothing else will i guess uh the final game on our schedule is the tennessee T- titans hosting the houston texans it's a 44 and a half point over under tennessee favored by 10 at home guys look i'm a human we want. We love to grind for For we're huh. Whisper Nation. We love to put the notes in, and, you know, sometimes it's a grind, though. As you work hard on anything, sometimes you just don't want to do it. Boy, do my eyes light up when I see the Houston Texans on our matchup sheet and it's time for us to fill in notes for them because there's literally not much to talk about. But I will try to talk about the one bright spot in their lineup that we like, and that is Brandon Cooks. It's been pretty incredible how much of a baller Brandon Cooks has been. 17 or more PPR points in five of nine games games he's the wide receiver 22 in those formats 40 targets over the last month he is the texans offense and now he's going to get tyrod tech Tyrod back healthy for a second game after the bye week as well. Tennessee is baffling. They're baffling me in the secondary. PFF has them ranked as the number two defense in the secondary. Meanwhile, they give up the most points per game to wide receivers. <laughs> three, uh, 30 points per game. That's more than, man, more than three more points than the Washington football team. So it's just like really weird to me what's going on with Tennessee. They're up and down. I think that has a lot to do with it. But you can get home, and I love Cooks in this matchup. Austin, do we – we, we saw Tyrod on our streaming radar before their bye. They were playing Miami, didn't really get home. Are we liking Tyrod at all in this matchup? In, in
2: really deep leagues or super flexes. Yes, I am. But he's not a replacement for whatever you're doing in leagues that are not super deep or not super flexes. Uh, 240 passing yards last week on 43 attempts means there's opportunity. I do like that. I don't like, though, the three interceptions that he had last week. Now, this is the most amount of interceptions that Troy Taylor has thrown in his last five years of football. But to be fair, he hasn't played a whole lot of football during that last five year stretch. <laughs> it breathes some life into the this depressed team
1: but let's not get too excited or too cute at this fair enough fair enough fair enough we're gonna move on to the Tennessee Titans to round us out here and Austin I'll stick it with you here because we were talking about this backfield uh last week we're gonna talk about it again because Foreman popped up on the waiver wire which is now the third back we've talked about in waivers for the Tennessee Titans post Derrick Henry yeah if, if Foreman's out I like AP, you know, fire it up. I said last week, I talked
2: about this backfield and I just believe that with three backs in the mix, you're not going to be able to have anybody productive enough because these guys like they're going to need Mondo opportunity. They're just not efficient enough with any of the opportunity that they're given. That was my prediction a few weeks ago. And that has just rang true every week since I think that Foreman continues to get a little bit more work and edge out Adrian Peterson. If he's able to stay healthy, um, we saw him just do better with the opportunities he was given going two weeks ago, and then last week there again. But it wasn't a lot better. It was like um, 29 yards compared to 21 yards, you know, on like 11 carries versus or 10 carries versus uh, eight carries on it. So it's not a lot. It's not doing great. If you get crazy volume, it was the Saints, these- oh, it, it was the Saints last week. I and don't, care. They really I don't good, care. I don't care. I don't care. Rush defense I don't in care. the league. I, I don't care. I don't think these guys are any good. They weren't good before that. It's like you're playing up against NFL players. Play like I, I just don't think these running backs are better than below the full defenders. If you, if you know what I mean, I think these guys are like in the bottom 10% of running backs and they're not always going to get to play bottom 10% defenders. So yeah, like the Saints are a good matchup. I think that they would have gotten stuffed if they were going up against a much, a much less good matchup, if you will. And a less good set of grammar. I will try so to uh, <laughs> move forward. Here. So, we'll,
1: uh, do we have any? We don't have a suggested start out of these three. If Foreman's trying- out, I like
2: AP. I okay. like AP because I think then he gets you like
1: fifteen plus touches. You but you I don't need see any of them to getting be a game. healthy scratch at this point. Uh, I need
2: fifteen carries for any of one of my backs from this yeah, backfield that's, that's so, to enough. get some work.
1: Uh, Johnny, friends, don't let friends start Ryan Tannehill anymore. Is that correct? Are we? Are we? Is there anything here for Ryan Tannehill?
0: Uh, there is a little bit there. Uh it's against Houston. Houston's not in, people cuz we keep thinking that there's something there. Well, actually don't look now. Uh Ryan Tannehill ever is he's, he's slowly creeping in here as uh the QB12 right now. So um so like he's he's getting back into that low end discussion. The thing that you like 27 attempts uh in the last, you know, four out of or uh, three out of four games. Four out of five games, he's had over twenty-seven attempts. But here's where he's getting his sneaky value. He is he has four touchdowns, four rushing touchdowns in five games. We talked about how it's you know where who is the touchdown person there. Ryan Tannehill ends up getting you on average one over that this span where he's actually been a streamable. Now, is he going to give you that high eye upside? No, but he has had over 20 fantasy points in three out of the last four games, guys. So if you need a what the heck flex, it doesn't sound sexy, but he's just getting it done. He's being solid for you. Then uh, then you can get Ryan Tannehill in your lineup. But am I saying, should you start like would I rather start Tua? absolutely or Joe Burrow? Yes, I would.
1: Yeah, I think I'd rather start a lot of players than Ryan. T- I'm just like really off the tannail yeah. thing. Like, yeah, the four touchdowns are there, but it's like it reminds me of a Sam Darnold situation where it's like he's not Houston, seeing the rushing yards. Houston
0: has allowed the. Uh, the most rushing court, uh, touchdowns of quarterbacks this season. I think I'd before. rather take
1: some of these streamers. I'd rather take a two o or I'd rather take a, uh, you know, a Jimmy G or something like this instead of Tannehill. I just think there's more upside for those guys. But mm-hmm. I want to talk quickly about the guy that's suffered the most in this post Derrick Henry situation. That's A.J. Brown. Now mm-hmm. over the last two weeks without Henry in this offense, 15 targets, he's caught only five of them for 58 scoreless yards. Teams are showing over the last two weeks the ability to bracket and shadow A.J. Brown, and that's a bit concerning 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 here. Johnson, Marcus Johnson, came into this uh, game last week and was the guy that kind of shined for the passing attack, right? He seems to be the Julio rental, but I don't think we should take too much away from Johnson because he racked up 100 yards last week on five catches, six targets. He was the big play guy. That 20 yards per reception paced the Titans offense, and he looked like Tennessee's best player on the field last week to me. If teams are going to continue to pay extra attention to A.J. Brown without Henry and Julio in the lineup, then Johnson honestly stands to benefit. He was in the waiver column as somebody in a deeper league that you might go and snatch up. But there is hope for our stud, A.J. Brown. However, in the last two weeks, he locked horns with Jalen Ramsey and Marshawn Lattimore in those two weeks. So that could explain some of the down. And nobody like those two players plays for the Houston Texans. So uh, they give up 23 points per game to the wide receiver. Receiver position, we look for A.J. to get right and at least be a much better suggested play this week than in the last two. Johnson feels like a flash in the pan for me, but I don't mind the desperate flex play in the week given his deep ball ability and this team that they're playing here. But, guys, that wraps it up for us and the part one of the week uh, the week 11 matchup show. Make sure you get part two by subscribing anywhere you get your podcasts. And if you have any further lineup questions, make sure to subscribe and tune in on Sunday morning to the YouTube channel an hour and a half before kickoff. You can also check the dot for our weekly rankings for Johnny game time. Hicks for Austin Sear, I'm big Travi. And we're the fancy whispers. We're out. Peace. 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 Right here. Oh! Thanks
0: for listening to the Fantasy Whispers matchup breakdown episode. If you want a specific start tip question answered, just make sure you join us live 90 minutes before kickoff on the Fantasy Whispers YouTube channel. And if you want to join Whisper Nation as well as get special Discord access, get signed up for our monthly jersey and card giveaways, as well as extra access to extra content, make sure you check us out on Patreon where you can get access to all of that. That's www.patreon.com forward slash the fantasy whispers.